now we will just be awkwardly silent while we count down. Five. I got McDonald's fries lying around somewhere. <laughs> am I? This is like a bad look. Shh, if I'm like, guys, I'm I'm trying to count down. <laughs> 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 All right, five seconds. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Don't Talk If You Don't Know, the unofficial, official podcast dedicated to all things high-level North American team fight tactics. My name is Frodan. We are back with episode 20. Today, on March 7th, 2023. And this is the mid-set finale reviewed with Bryce Blum, my co-host, Boss of Skills, and Malala. So let's go ahead and check in with everybody. Bryce, how you doing? You know, this podcast is so funny. I, I, whenever I have like a hard day and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do the podcast and I come upstairs, then I'm like, oh, I just like immediately fold in TFT. It's just like the all, the universally good thing in my life. It's great. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm glad that you are here as well. And two players that I'm very ecstatic to have because we've talked about them so many times in passing. And maybe you've seen them, you know, compete or even play in ladder against your favorite players, but they crushed it. This past week at the Midset finale. So let's welcome in currently Basso Skills, who finished third at Midset. Basso, what's up, man? Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Basso Skills. I also go by Nick or Nico, whichever one you want to call me. All right, Malala's like grinning like crazy. Why? Why? What, 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 what are you smiling about? No, I'm just like I'm just like excited because you know, like <laughs> I feel like being on the show is like pretty cool, and I'm just glad I can do it with Nico. Oh wow, that's so great! Wow, I'm gonna. That actually might be a sound clip we might (laughs) use in the future. Thank you ahead of time. Yeah, it's like the most wholesome clip in the history of the show. This is great. We're really happy happy to have you, Malala. I don't. Before we even get into your origin story, do you know the like the the backstory meme with you and Frodan? Were you aware of that as it was going Uh, on? Yeah, like uh, I think like yeah, I like the first power ranking and like the the entire soldier thing. Yeah, I was like watching it the entire time. It was great, and he when he was right too. That's the best part about it. Is that so, as much as Soju molded about about him ranking you over him, he was completely yeah. correct at the time. I feel like we have to actually tell that story. Oh please! So we're just jumping straight into it, Malala, because that was your intro. My uh, bad. Okay. My bad. This is why Dan is the host. He <laughs> the I just like immediately went on a tangent. No, it's all good. I mean, that's kind of what the podcast is. The reviewed episode is really for reflection, also getting to know some of the competitors. Because honestly, you, you guys saw a lot of what happened, and so we don't have to necessarily walk through that action. But the backstory behind Malala and, and this whole like power rankings at first was because. There was a there's a period of time was it set six that this was happening where mm-hmm. it felt like there was a changing of the guard at the time in North American TFT at the time it was still like the established names that are making this power rankings right Bryce and I were doing our first episodes but we kind of recognized that the names were almost the same every single edition and so I was specifically motivated to try and find new and upcoming talent and at the time Malala was posting really good results mm-hmm. and Soju was a player that at the time was kind of losing form because his motivation was waning, right? You, at, at this By now, people understand Soju goes through periods where sometimes he's willing to grind infinite and sometimes he's just, you know, playing Valorant and he doesn't even know anything about the patch. This was one of those patches where he didn't know anything. And so I ranked Soju really low. It was like the first time I was taking a risk of the battle. I'm like, yeah, everyone's ranking based off potential, but I'm ra- ranking based off form. I think Soju's kind of like 13th or, or 14th or something like that. And I put Malala, like a person that had good results in tournaments and, and ladder, like 11th or 10th, like right above him. And Soju read my rankings out loud on his stream and he got so heated and mad. He's like, what is this ballot? How is he putting, like, Malala? Like, he's putting Malala over me? And he got, like, so crazy. 
but chat loved it because of course anything that's chat loves more than watching soju succeed is watching soju mold and so it, i totally leaned into it i changed my green screen back on that weekend i started yeah. casting and saying malala greater than soju and everything like that and malala had a pretty good weekend i don't think you like went super super far but you still like did a, a pretty good result um and i was like drafting you on fantasy and stuff like that so that kind of originated as the story of malala uh, i didn't even know you were paying that close attention to it like what, what, what was going through your head as that was happening malala Oh uh, yeah, so I think like initially, like uh, we have like our little Discord server. At first, it was just like uh, me, Basso, and like uh, Paper Cheese and Kevi Zhao. And like uh, I think at the time, like it was like Paper Cheese like messaged the Discord. He's like, "Dude, like someone just power ranked you 14th," and then it's like they put you over Soju. And Paper Cheese was just like freaking out. And I was like, "Oh shit! Like why did he rank me and stuff?" <laughs> but then I think like uh, right before that, um, it was I think it was before Jade Cup. Uh, I think I had like pretty decent results because uh, like I was tr- like triple final lobby um, innovation cup a challenger series and then astral cup like I was like the biggest choker like on the planet like every time I got into final lobby I I averaged like a seven so it was like really really bad and, and then, like I that, think, sorry to actually finish your thought finish your thought yeah but then like before that or like after that power ring came out there was the high roller tournament and I did like really well like I was supposed right, to win that tournament right. but I I actually choked it again like I played a game of like RC Bear. <laughs> instead of making Rage Blade, it was like really bad. But then, yeah, I think I, I did okay in Jade Cup, but I didn't like make any real progress. So what I was going to ask, so what you just described that you were choking in Final Lobbies, that is the only reason why I think Asa became the name that he did and you didn't. I think that actually when we were having the conversations of the podcast about the up-and-comers and who was in the running for kind of new player of the set, it was the two of you. It felt like a two-horse race for a while. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just wondering, like, do, do you feel like you've, like, changed as a player? Like, do you feel like that's something you've gotten over? And if so, what was that journey like for you? Because I imagine that was tough. Yeah, so I think, like, initially, like, uh, for at, at least at InnoCup and, like, Challenger Series, like, at InnoCup, there was, like, Aniko, Goobums, Appies, and at the time, like, Ponup, they were, like, really good players. And, like, I just felt like, I guess, like, the imposter syndrome, like, I don't deserve to be here. Like, like I'm just, like, a random. And then at Challenger Series, it was just, like, New Battle, like, just absolutely destroying everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That looked like a fucking, like, like an NBA player playing at like a high school game or something. It was really <laughs> yeah. ridiculous how much he was better than everybody. It, it was actually like so disgusting. Like he was the best player <laughs> like in this, on the server by far. He was playing with like, like yeah. six random players. <laughs> like that shouldn't even be there. But I think like by now, like, especially in set eight, I feel like I'm like one of those guys. Like, I don't think like I'm as good as New Val or anything, but like, I think like, I I think going into mid set mid set I rate I would have ranked myself like top ten, and like I think I'm like one of those guys that like is a name that you shouldn't be too surprised if I make final lobby anymore. Ooh, I like I it. What what? Okay, so boss of skills. It feels like you want to reply to that. You've been chuckling the whole time. Do you agree with that assessment? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Bilal's just a funny guy. You know, you just you just watch this guy talk and it just makes you want to laugh. <laughs> but I I I mean I was. I was mainly chuckling because I I remembered because we were uh, like we were we were so close back then. I remember I was giving him shit for like all like every single tournament that he choked. I was just giving him <laughs> shit in Discord for like final lobby. Like I I think Astral Cup he makes final lobby with like the most points ever. And he just goes eight eight and goes like seventh. <laughs> and then like the high roller tourney, he's he has like meditation three and he has like the best spot for Corky ever. Oh, I remember he's this one game. Deja and he's just pivoting Deja. And I'm like, Bro, what the fuck is this guy doing? Any, anyways, um, but yeah, I think he's a uh, honestly, 
I, I think he's probably like a top 10 player going into mid set. I think he had really solid performances set eight so far. And then obviously at mid set, he went second. So he kind of like stopped the choker narrative that he had created by, you know, choking final lobby so many times. Going second definitely is not considered a choke by any stretch of the imagination, especially with 32 points. So totally. I think, definitely, yeah, definitely. Totally. So I will say, as you're evaluating Malala's play, and I want to definitely get to the inverse of the situation, Nico. So so be ready for that. But um, you guys, the the information coming out of your group specifically, as it relates to the the quality of play, specifically current form of your players, is some of the most inconsistent shit I've ever heard. Like, usually within these groups, it's like everyone agrees, like okay, Sox is a beast right now. It's like okay, Sox is a beast right now. Or like oh, Soju's actually good right now, and everyone's like okay, Soju's actually good right now. But you motherfuckers, you're you guys are all over the place. I'm trying to decide my draft strategy, and I'm messaging a bunch of you, and like literally, I just have I have to call out Showtime because he giga griefed my draft. I I was thinking about drafting Malala, and. He, I, I reached out to him to start talking about quality of players, and he's like, Malala is so bad right now. He thinks AD line is broken. Whatever you do, do not, <laughs> do not draft Malala, okay? Wait, before, before why are you talking draft? to Showtime in the first place? What, what, <laughs> I agree. What sequence of events led you down this path? But, but wait a second. Here's the thing. During the show, at 640, he sends me, yo, I completely changed my mind. Malala is a fucking beast. He's a oh. steal, bro. $15 for Malala is legit daylight robbery if I am being honest. <laughs> it was during the show, man. So I didn't see it and I didn't draft him. God damn it, Showtime. <laughs> Wait, so Showtime is correct, but you just never get to see his prediction when it before it happens. You only get to see yes, it after. Yeah, he actually, he flipped and he was on the right side of history on that one for oh, sure. By the time it was God. all over. It didn't, it didn't save my draft, but he was right. That's hilarious. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about mid-set, but I, you know, we talked, we discussed Malala's journey of how he's kind of gotten over that hump, his journey through set six and set seven. Let's talk about Basso's skills. You kind of started off, like, first of all, the only time I really recognized you is because I, I heard about the NG clan, which I kind of want history about, like, what the NG clan yeah, is, totally. by the way. It kind of felt like it never, ever got talked about. We heard about MD with, like, Pocket Gum and Yumi, but there's, like, another clan NG. What, what was that all about? Uh, so I mean, basically, when I, I first started, like, really getting to TFT in, like, 5.5, and <clears throat> I had Tay added from, like, on PBE, we were playing set 6 PBE, and I had Tay added on PBE, and so, like, he just introduced me to a bunch of, like, his friends and, like, random people that I knew in the community, and there was just, like, a bunch of us playing PBE, and then after that, we sort of became friends and grew closer, and then this was towards the end of like the covid lockdowns and this was like when tc1 uh tacticians crown one was mm -hmm. being held in new jersey and so poppin poppin junk who was a uh, also one of the one of the people that i was really close to was also in new york and i i just came to new york for school at this time and then i don't even know where tay was driving in from tay is just like all over the place all the time but basically we made a plan that we would meet up at uh tc1 and we would just like see each other and we would play we would have fun we'd go eat dinner and stuff mm -hmm. and so the night went really well and then basically after that we decided tay was basically like fuck it let's start a clan and then you know no one had any ideas and so we just looked to tay because he basically gave us the idea and he just decided to name it ng which stood for no grass because we were just gonna 
sit on our asses and play TFT all day and never touch any grass. That's basically how it was started. And it was never really, like, a big thing. All of us were, like, pretty mediocre players in the grand scheme of things, like, when we started it. And even, like, uh, I mean, I took NG out of my name this uh, this set, but it, it's still, like, a big part of me. I met, that's basically how I met a lot of people. And then, like, I met Milala through Pop and Jugs Twitch chat, actually. And then, so, basically, oh, wow. that sort of started my, like, journey to meeting people and, like, growing my uh, connections in the community. And so I'm really thankful to uh, Tay and Popping for that kind of opportunity that really helped me get into, you know, meeting all these cool, amazing people. Yeah, That's yeah. That's awesome. And it feels like you are the standout player from that group. Is anyone else still grinding TFT the way you are from NG? Um, I think Poppin is, like, IRL stuff now. I think he's, like, he. I think he got a job as, like, a software engineer, and he moved in with his girlfriend, I believe. Oh, wow. And then I think Tay, I think Tay is just like a lot of work stuff too. And he didn't, doesn't really like, he hasn't really liked any of the recent sets as much. Like he didn't really like 7.5. He didn't really like set eight. Fair and he's had like a lot of work stuff. So, <clears throat> it's so you're the last one left. standing. Yeah. By the way, your self-assessment of uh, as a mediocre player, I don't know if you heard, but but Dan agrees with that. He, he, <laughs> talked, he talked about it in broadcast. He was like, listen, my origin story with the name Bosso Skills is thinking, oh, I mean, this guy's lobby isn't so free. <laughs> Basically is what he said. Okay, okay. so why why did you feel the same way when you would see that so Froden in your lobby? <laughs> oh. I mean, I didn't really see Froden in that many of my lobbies usually he was like a you know a few hundred lp below yeah but i mean oh man that being said i actually remember uh i remember in like uh set seven and set six i saw like a lot of people well i felt like somewhat slighted in terms of like rankings and stuff because i i didn't get recognition but honestly looking back at it i just was not a very good player to be completely honest but, uh, I mean, you know, it, I was always like, because I was with, uh, I was with Milala for a lot of the time, right? So I would see him, and I was like happy for him because he's my friend. But you know, obviously deep down, there's like some sort of deep burning jealousy eating away at my at my heart, and like uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, we kind of like prepped together, you know, we studied together, we coached each other, that all that sort of stuff. And then Milala was having a lot more success than I was. But honestly, I was just a uh, I really was just a mediocre player at that time. So at the time I felt slighted, but now looking back at it, I realized that, you know, I kind of sucked. All right. I, I love where this is going and I want Malala to respond before we jump actually into the, the meat of the podcast. But I want to ask a really important question was what was one or two of the finding things that really helped you get to that next level? Because clearly you are competing at an extremely high level. You know, you're basically at that elite tier at the moment. What was that difference maker between sets that helped you get to that jump uh is this for me or is this for Ryan? this is for you either of you. Well, actually actually well, you know what both of you. Well, you i'm really curious <laughs> about both of you you guys have both made the leap relatively recently um so i would say for me i think i think i actually made the leap more like towards the end of like seven and 7.5 but i just had a bad patch and like i forgot which tournament it was at the end of 7.5 but that was a really bad patch for me and i didn't perform well enough to go to regionals but for me, like, making the leap, I think a lot of it was just, like, really getting someone to, like, go over your, especially your tourney VODs. I think 
for like players who are sort of in like the top 160 range for like these tournaments and who like sometimes you know are getting like day two or like early day three but don't really like consistently make day four lobbies or like deep runs i would say that a lot of it just has to do with like finding someone to look over your games specifically in tournaments because that's when you're like you're locked in you're trying your hardest and like just telling you what they think you should do wrong and i think that helped me a lot in set seven having malala look over my games and then in set eight i have there's like a lot more people there's like a whole discord and there's tons of people who are giving me advice so i think that's helping me grow more but that would be my that i think that's what did it for me and that would be my advice for anyone who's kind of stuck in that same sort of uh spot that i was Okay, before we get to Malala's answer, I want to ask a quick follow-up question. So so it sounds like you're describing the server, Showtime Sucks, as it is probably <laughs> um, Best name ever. As, as like a meaningful part of this, that you think like that group of people have like actively reviewed your games and helped a little bit. Yeah, and, I, and I would say that's accurate. Do you think that's true for everyone? Because I, I was, so Weijin, I don't know if you heard, but during his winner's interview, he was almost the opposite. I felt like he was kind of downplaying the role of the server. Not like he was not valuing your guys' support and friendship at all. It didn't feel like that to me, but it was like, you, he made it sound like it was like very informal. Like it wasn't like a lot of like working together actively and constructively. It was more like friends memeing and occasionally sharing information. So is the vibe different based on who you are in the group or what, what's the dynamic from your perspective? Uh, I think he actually, we actually talked about this a little bit in call where like people were calling us a study group and he wanted like the point I think he was trying to get across was like, it's not like, it's not like we're watching Sian VODs, like, before the tournament, like, you know, getting all the tech, whatever, like, su studying super hard. Most of the time before the tournament, we're really just messing around. But, well, not really, like, messing around, but we're just, like, sitting in call, like, talking to each other, like, sometimes backseating. But I'd say, like, specifically for me, it's just, like, we do VOD reviews after tournaments, like, when you're going on to the next day. And that's sort of what really helps me a lot. And I think in that aspect... We could be considered in a study group, but the vast majority of the time, I think he's right where we're just kind of like, uh, you know, we're just having a good time playing TFT together. That's right. Cool. They're, they're, they're memers at their heart, which uh, kind of keep, yeah. keeps the group environment really nice because it feels like everyone, uh, there's like, there's no one's off limits. Everyone's allowed to flame each other and have fun at each other's expense, but also keep it in good spirits and whatnot. So uh, I really appreciate that camaraderie. All right, Malala, we, we've had Nico talk for like 10 minutes now. It's time for you to jump in here. Talk to me about what uh, what was the big defining thing that helped you make that leap. Yeah, sure. I think I've actually had like two two leaps, I guess, like in my competitive career. I like I think the first leap was definitely like in six point five um, when I first like started like making like big tourney performances. And like at the time, from like six point five, then and then the entirety of set seven, the only person like I would really talk to about the game was Nico. And that's probably like why I like I didn't make the next jump. <laughs> it's like it was like it was like really bad because like like it, it was just us and like we honestly didn't know like exactly like how well our or like how good our ideas were. So like like we were just like hell, like hella fucked like the entire time. So, like set seven set seven mid set, like everyone was hard forcing siphon trainers. And like we went into the mid set thinking like if we play vertical guilds we're gonna shit on everyone, <laughs> and then and then and then we held hands like thirty first and thirty second. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you had a plan, man. That's bad for a lot of fields. Yeah, so it was like really bad. But then like in set eight we like started talking to like Wajin Iverson and Stellar Mini, and I think like that's when I made my next jump to like actually being like a really good player. <laughs> 
Got it. So the jump was to stop talking to boss of skills. Yeah, and stop start talking to me. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. That's great. Um, I, you know, the journey of you guys are, are so interesting, but we are here to talk about mid sets. Uh, before we do that, we also have some news that we like to share with people so that it kind of sets a little bit of the topics of what's happening. The first is some really happy news. One of the members of Showtime Suck Server is no longer there. He has graduated. Eniko has announced that he will be joining the Riot Games development team uh, as on the game analysis team, which means that Eniko will be the person that you blame for balance now. You don't have to you don't have, to have Mortdog be the sole receiver of all your complaints. Eniko will be the one uh, that would probably be a lot more community-facing as well. I think this is just great news. First of all, it's just cool that Riot is hiring a challenger caliber player of Eniko's skill, right? Like, I think that's really cool that they're even considering hiring from this kind of pool of players. And two, it just feels like Eniko is one of the more eloquent people about what he don't doesn't like about certain mechanics or things that he feels like should be working and doesn't work, except XYZ. So I feel like he is one of the best people, if not the most qualified person that I can think of, Bryce. I literally couldn't think... I was asked. I could not think of anyone that made more sense uh, for a role like this in the whole TFT community. And it just goes to show, by the way, like, good behavior pays off, right? Like, most people just kind of, like casually flame riot or flame mort dog and it's not that nico's not critical and nico's been very critical at times but he's always reasonable about it he always tries to explain it constructively or at least usually does he can type in complete sentences if riot <laughs> communicates something he will actually read and digest that information yes instead, yes. instead of responding without using that information as far as response so, I mean, I'm really happy with him. I'm super excited to get a Nikode in-game. I mean, I'm definitely going to be a person who's <laughs> I like uh, that. He's, he's super deserving. He's really, really deserving of this role. Yeah, yeah. Nico Malala, any comments about Nico doing right? Oh, I think Nico's a beast. I mean, he's one of, like, one of the players that's really easy to get along with, so I can really see that he's, you know, eloquent with how he says things. And he's, like, he's one of the people who's always looking to make connections and, like, get new perspectives about TFT. Uh, like one random day in set eight, I think he just asked me to hop and call with him and just play a few games, and we'd never really talked before. But you know, it was a it was a pretty fun call. I lost like three hundred LP, and he gained like three hundred LP. So we did a little, <laughs> little switcheroo, and then I had to grind my ass off to make snapshots. But I mean, outside of that, he's just a really cool guy. The way he talks about TFT is just it's refreshing to hear someone who's as well spoken as he is as he is talking about TFT instead of just uh you know just screaming like bat chest you know complaining about balance that sort of thing so i'm really glad for him yeah, yeah very much so malala anything you want to add oh uh, yeah i think that aniko is like definitely one of the players like i respect the most um he's like i think like for me he's like one of the guys that like actually thinks about the game and like has mm -hmm. actually has a lot of ideas about the game so yeah i definitely think like this is like something that he would be good at awesome awesome i do want to share one screenshot very quickly as we uh, transition this topic is that this I, I just couldn't help but share this discord conversation <clears throat> soju today or this is actually yesterday yesterday at 4 30 p.m sent a message to iniko saying riot games dan's game and iniko replied just went ahead and used my riot valorant client to make sure you never get the tree skin no nothing personnel kid Soji replies, already got the Ion, all good, little mans. I'm pretty sure Ion is greater than Tree. Iniko says, 
he screenshots, I've been looking for the tree Vano skin for a year. To which Soju immediately replies, bro, can you please get me the tree Vandal? <laughs> Within 30 seconds, this one aiding is just fun. Because in the end, this, this conversation just helps encapsulate why Iniko will always be part of the community and always be one of us. Because he just gets it, man, from head to toe. I, I just thought that He's was He's friends fun. with everybody. Like, mm -hmm. you talk about him being a member of their server. He's a member of ours, like, cast, mostly caster server. He's a member, he's a member of all of the servers. It's actually like so impressive how many friendships he has across the space. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So congratulations, Inigo. We wish you the best of luck as he is starting pretty soon, I think. Actually, like um, in the coming weeks. The second piece of news is the one that's big, right? The reason why everyone's kind of hyped out TFT is 8.5 PB has released. We're not going to go too much in depth, but kind of want to get just initial reactions because, you know, it's honestly, there's not other... TFT podcast out there really talking about uh, things like this. So let's just get some kind of like TFT reactions off of 8.5's release with the champions that were in and champions released and new mechanics. We'll start off with Malala. What do you think about 8.5 so far? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, I haven't played any games that I, I didn't watch anything. <laughs> but the only thing I know is that they added Jin, which is like the set for Jin, I think, with uh, like the Dusk Snipe or Dusk Sharpshooter, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I know they added Ezreal. And, like, I play ADC in League of Legends, so, like, I'm just, like, hyped for that. Nice. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Boss of Skills, you kind of laughed. Is he a bad ADC or what? Oh, no. I mean, we, we do it sometimes. Oh, no. uh, but, you know, unfortunately, I did get a little bit too high ranked for him recently. But I did actually play a lot of League <laughs> games this morning, and I dropped wow. low enough so that we can do it again. So I'm kind of hyped for that. Nice. Wait, what, <laughs> what, what ranking are we talking here? Oh, I dropped from I dropped from Masters back to Diamond One, so we can play again. Can't do it with Masters. <laughs> and Malala, you're low Diamond. Oh, no, 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 I'm, he's, he's Diamond I was One. Like, I'm like, uh, it's just like because I haven't played enough games. Like he just plays too much League oh. Legends. Like if he played more TFT, he would probably would have like gotten at least second like, mid set or something. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right, well, let's talk a little bit more about TFT then, Nico. Uh, have you got a chance to preview 8.5 at all? uh not i'm kind of in the same boat i saw like a few i saw a little bit of like the videos i think the 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 trade team the mega the mega ezreal and like the little ezreal seems really cool and like the some some of the trades seem really interesting as well but i haven't really got the chance to play because by the time they released it i think i was at the gym and then i went to an escape room after that and then i came here so i haven't had the chance to play but i'll probably play a few games after we get finished with the podcast so i'll see how i feel then my God, he went from no grass to being too much on the grass. He's not even getting a chance to play yeah. PB when it releases, Bryce. Wow. Bryce, these, give me your initial casters, reactions. The casters are sweatier than the fucking players, man. Uh, that's always been the case for like three sets now. Bryce, yeah, hit me with it. What's your 8.5 initial read? I mean, look, I, like, I, I'm excited about a few units. Jin, Warwick. I think t New Twisted Fate looks really fun. I'm excited to see what mm -hmm. becomes best in slot Twisted Fate. I think, like, the throwing a bunch of cards and then the big red card at the end is super satisfying. Um, they didn't change that many of the legendaries. Ezreal's cool, but, like, most of the legendaries feel the same, so really mm -hmm. it feels mostly different at the four-cost level. I haven't played enough to have any opinions about, like, is the design moving in the right direction or not. I will say that uh, I think adding Morgana was really smart. I think that one of the brilliant things about threats is it allows you to control for certain tech like you shouldn't have to slam last whisper right you should be able to play around ad and play around other things so it's like hey here's a morgana that you can always if you're willing to trade a unit for it you can always get shred right same thing with like a soul if you're willing to trade a unit for it you can always get anti-heal i think that's really smart i think it's like a really thoughtful design thing they're doing um 
I, that being said, like it's hard for me to get excited about it. If I'm being totally honest, I really, really hate hero augments. Like, really, really hate them. <laughs> I think, I think, like both. Oh, I, the, the really sad thing for me about the last two sets is that I think that the, the core mechanic, dragons, and then hero augments, mm. have taken what I love about TFT and took it out back and shot it in the head. And I, I just don't think that you can have the version of TFT that I like with those two mechanics. I think there's a lot of other mechanics that you can do that could be really good. Um, and maybe there's a version of hero augments that I wouldn't feel this way about, but I was pretty, if, if you go back and watch our like pre episode, like the last episode of set seven, I talked about how nervous I was for this. And I think it's panned out exactly as my fears. I just don't, I just do not think it's a very skill expressive decision in the moment. And the trade-off is that you playing flexible TFT is like not on the menu, most games. And that feels like very bad to me, that combination. Um, so they didn't, they didn't take out hero augments. So it's hard for me to get hyped about 8.5. Understood. Understood. I, I'm trying to just enjoy whatever is in front of me here. Uh, Bryce, Bryce is done casting said A as far as we know, by the way. So yeah, he's yeah, kind of, I mean, rip. Bryce is always unfiltered, but he's like especially peeling it back. I mean, I, I, to be clear, anyone out there listening, I would love to cast Worlds. I would really love the opportunity <laughs> to cast Worlds. I haven't gotten yeah. that opportunity in a little while. So, I, so just to be clear, I am down to cast more of said eight, but I cannot cast regionals. I have a conflict, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, I enjoy kind of just something new, something different. I like that a lot of the forecasts that they brought, I think they're pretty interesting. Um, so, so far I'm enjoying what I am playing, but I could foresee it also like kind of devolving, especially if balance isn't really there, but we'll see again. It's the first few hours of PBA. I've had enjoyed like the two games I've jammed and we'll just leave it at that because it, everything else is just basically prediction. We have a long way to go before we get La to that. Wait, last thing I will say, I'm not a big like TFT nostalgia person. I set two is my favorite set, but I don't really want to go back and play set two. Cause I think I would maybe hate it if I played set two again. Cause I think probably it's worse in a lot of ways. If you ever think about it, Riot, I am super down for you to re-release this set with no hero augments, just standard augments, augments all three. I think it would be a gr I would love this set, I think. Oh, um, so I'm down if we ever get the opportunity. Wow, Nico, do you agree with that? Oh, uh, in terms of hero augments or in terms I guess I guess it's a similar question. But I mean, I'm not really a fan of hero augments either. I think specifically for me like 2-1 cool. feels really bad most of the time, because I, I think a lot of the time it just kills flexibility, like you take your 2-1 hero augment, and then that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what you're playing for, like, at least the next three or four stages, but in terms of, like, the other hero augments, I don't really mind them as much. I I think I would prefer three augments, but I think a little variety in hero augments isn't that bad. I think I would also slightly prefer the set if they re-released it without hero augments, but Again, I don't hate to hero augments too much. I don't feel that strongly about them either way, though. Okay. I think that kind of mirrors more closer to what, how I feel. Malala, what about you? Uh, I think hero augments are like pretty cool. Uh, like I think it's fun. I don't. I don't know if it's like balanced or whatever. Like who? Like who cares if the game's definitely balanced, not balanced. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, like, I think they're fun. I agree. They're fun. It's fun, but like, I guess in terms of like competition, it's probably not like the best thing. But yeah, it's like I think it makes the game like pretty fun. Yeah, I, actually, it's a really good point because I'm talking about like it, it, the things that I love about TFT. I feel like are have not been on the menu for set seven and set eight. Set seven, I think the the mechanic was mostly just a miss. I don't think this one is mostly a miss. I think it's bad for what I like about TFT, but I think it's super fun. I think the notion of being able to turn any unit into a unit that you like want to play around as a core strategy is cool. And while they've never gotten all the way on there, I think they've fulfilled that part of the fantasy. I think you've been able to play around like way more units as core to your strategy this set than ever before, and I think that's really fun. All right, and on that note, 
Let's talk about mid-set of how these two players were able to weather the storms that came their way. So let's start from the very beginning. Uh, we don't have to take our, we don't have to rush through here. First of all, this was day number one, and you might notice something kind of unusual. There was a player in 17th, Malala, yeah. who actually did not make it to day number two, and somehow found his way into day number two, taking Juke U's spot. Malala, what's what was what was going on through your head like as this was happening? Like first missing the tiebreakers and then finding out you're gonna play. Okay, so like going into midset, like I already said, like I thought I was like a top ten player, but like my read going into midset was like I'm gonna start bow, and I'm gonna flex like Jax, Duelist, uh, Samira, and like Recons, but like obviously I was gonna lean more towards Samira because I was watching Mythic Cup and like the Asian Cup and like they were playing like three four way contested sure shots, but like. They ended. They they always ended on like an Aphelios board and stuff like that, and I remember clear like typed in the Showtime Suck server. It's like if you twenty twenty Samira, you're guaranteed thirty second. So I was just like in my head, I was just like, okay, it's my better read versus clears, and it's like like I'll just bet on myself. Like fuck it, who cares? Mm -hmm. So then the first two games, I think like actually like first three games, I start bow. I go for like four six um two, but like my sure shot game was like uh, underground cash out. And another game, I try to play an underground cash out game. I went like guaranteed eight. And then, uh, so then after that, I was like, like, this is fucking terrible. I need to, like, I need to change my game plan. And then I ended up starting Belt. Um, and then that's, like, how I got a bunch of points. And, like, in the last game where I was, like, where I lose tiebreaker, I'm fighting Setsuko's recombobulator MF3. Like, oh, he recombobulates into, like... I remember, I remember that game. He, yeah, he recombobulates into, like, eight MFs. And, then, like, I, I'm, I'm just fucked. <laughs> so, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, but then you found out that you're going to play in day number two... Were you even ready for that possibility? Were you like kind of doing something before, else? Yeah. How long beforehand did you get notified? Uh, I think it was like um, twenty minutes before. Uh, so like the day of, I knew it was like so. It was like it was Nico's birthday on day two. Um, oh, happy I was like, birthday, Yo. man! I had no idea. <laughs> and I was like, Yo, Nico, you're not gonna miss a day two because it's your birthday, right? And it's like I got you if you if you do to miss it. <laughs> but then and then all of a sudden, it's like uh, Nature's and like Juki are typing in the chat like. Like he has a Windows update and like Wajin Iverson and uh Fossil Seals are like pinging me like yo bro like Juke you might drop out like dude get ready. So then I was like like holy fuck and like like don't tease me bro. It's like <laughs> but then uh, at the end like five minutes before there Juki is like 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 fuck this tournament it I'm gonna go to the pool party with my girlfriend and then <laughs> and then Nature's like you're up. So then yeah <laughs> yeah. So for people who don't know Juke you was competing on a cruise ship, which is. Pretty hilarious. First of all, I didn't yeah. even realize he was competing on a cruise ship. and I didn't he realize he was there with his girlfriend either, by the way. I didn't know so, he was yeah. with his girlfriend. I'm sure she loved that when he disappeared for seven hours to play, yes, to, to, to play a TFT tournament, room. only to <laughs> not advance for the next day because of Windows Update, by the way. That's why he couldn't get it on. Because he had to download the new Windows Update. And how are you going to download a massive OS update when you're on a cruise with that kind of signal? I think some people also are saying, like, why is he even competing on a cruise? Isn't this kind of like not taking TFT esports seriously? To which I reply, that is a great thing about TFT esports. I say we double down. The next TFT regional should be on a cruise ship. We should yeah. go to outer space and compete in the, the International Space Station. We should go underwater, discover Atlantis, and compete TFT 20,000 leagues under the sea. I mean, that's pretty sick. The fact that, you, like, I can't even name another game that you could do that, Bryce. 
I also can't name another game. I'm, I don't know about regionals, but I'm down for Summit 2 to be on a cruise. That sounds super fun. <laughs> but I guess it's the content and the shenanigans would also be amazing. So, yes, you know, we can yes. make that happen. Showtime's in chat mocking me, but don't worry, man. You'll campaign and still not make it into that Summit either. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Basso skills in your Wait tournament as we pull up game number two. Malo Wait, I need to give Malo a shit before we move on from oh, the fact okay, that okay, this guy okay. cheeses his way into day two and day three. I did not go back and do the math, but I'm pretty sure that you cost me both fantasy drafts, my dude, with the extra points you got on days two and three. Uh, I, was, I was rooting for you. I was happy for you, but I was also advocating that your points should not count. <laughs> I think we need a precedent on this. Or fantasy drafts if someone gets uh you know windows updated into an extra day that, that, that's just the volatility of it bryce uh, don't, don't give well did nothing wrong he just he just showed up and took did exactly what he was supposed to and juki was cheering I'm, for him too i'm just giving him shit i'm yeah. very happy for him i was i was actually rooting for you like i'm i'm really glad that you got the opportunity and that you made the most of it a lot of people would not have been able to like mentally lock in in the way that you did it's not easy when you go into a day thinking you're not competing and being disappointed about the day before and like 20 minutes before it's like all right go and you played great both days yeah yeah Thanks. Let's talk about day two a little bit. Looks like you you guys kind of again we're right there in that mix. Nico, talk about like your days one and two heading into the final lobby. Oh, uh, first of all, I want to say for like the the pre tournament, it wasn't really like Malala's taking against clears. Literally, everyone told him Samira is ass, and if he's playing like <laughs> if he's playing with like fifteen twenty Samira, like he's for sure gonna get day one. And he just like doesn't believe anyone. He's just like I'm the fucking genius. After the set seven mid set, by the way. And that was his, by the way, this was his, like, guild talent take. He was, like, he was the perpetrator of, like, <laughs> vertical guild was broken last night. And he, like, passed on to me. And then I, we played, like, one solo queue game. I was like, damn, this is hella good. So that was on him as well. And then this said he's up to the same thing. But anyways, so moving on, like, uh, <laughs> like the, the sort of day one, day two for me, I was, this was probably, like, one of my, uh, least i would i would say like least confident tournaments going into it because corrupted cut i got day one and i was like uh I, w I was up like 300 lp the patch before corrupted cup and then like we went in and i just got day one and then you know so we come into mid set and mid set like the days leading up to mid set i was like fluctuating lp i was i was down like quite a bit at some point in time i think i dropped like three digit lp oh. which i'm not normally at so that was like pretty bad but then I think like my 10 games leading up to mid set were all top fours. And then I had like my confidence back, but I had like, I, I was really worried because I had a different meta read from like the rest of the group. I, I was going to lean like heavily into like recons and anima. And so that's sort of what I did for like day one and day two. And I think I probably played, I saw, I saw like, Garrett actually playing like a lot of duelists in, in day one. And so for day two, that, that was like my comfort comfort for the entire set was to play duelist so i decided i would play like a lot of duelists i think i played like three games of duelists yeah and i top for two of them and so you know i felt really good about my my sort of day one and day two performance and how i played in the tourney yeah people might Basically, not remember but at the very beginning of the set boss of skills was climbing to rank one kind of pioneering the duelist meta at high elo and what this is like while we were at summit we had no say, this, clue this ladder was pretty free in fairness sure but if he because he had a, a good read on it if he was in summit he would have crushed all of us and the, like the one or two players that were trying to do this line also was having success in summit too totally yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want to clarify for this uh, ladder is free comments. I had 20 less days than Setsuko, a better average, and I was 300 LP higher than him. I was rank one by 312 LP. Okay, but that this is true. That is true. Setsuko, Setsuko was playing a bunch of those games with like five people standing behind him, actively <laughs> trying to grief him. Like, oh, bro, like this is the line. This is the line for yeah, sure. Yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. play this line, and it's like. No, 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 that wasn't the line. Like, that's a fucking eighth man. Go next. It was it was so fun. I've never seen Dish Soap actively try to troll someone like that much before. It was very, very fun to see. But also, Satsuko was proving day after day. He was, I mean, we tell the story all the time, but how he was so angsty about not playing TFT when it was releasing because he was filming his skit at the courtroom and he was just so mad. And by the time he sat down, I think he, he probably got too worked up not playing TFT that he was definitely throwing because he wasn't like, doing super well in his first placement games either which was uh very, was very also, interesting to watch he was kind of bad on the first day of the summit we had him in our lobby like two or three days or all three days in we had we played a bunch of tetsuko and i remember the the day one i was like is this the same guy like what's going on and then day three i was like oh god damn man like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, he, got, yeah, yeah. he got good like this is a busy three days for him he found out vane was strong and then from there it, the, the rest was history he just started anchoring off his ad play which setsuku has always been very strong um setsuku by the way tiebreaker not making it to the top eight but that's that's considered like a disappointing result but he still finished top 10 and, and it's because of tiebreaker i don't think people should think like oh man setsuko really like didn't end strong that's still a great result all things considering i mean it's tft like i i did not watch all of setsuko's games so i don't know what happened there maybe he played poorly in some of them maybe he low rolled definitely possible but like i watched all those games i watched every game that pros and buzzy played on that day and there's no way either of them are better than satsuko and they both have a lot more points than satsuko right three and and eight more points than satsuko they, there's no way that satsuko played worse than them on the day yeah yeah and satsuko i mean look he, he doubled basically almost doubled the points of socks socks had a rough day robin still made top 16 but you know didn't really go uh, much farther than that so I think overall just shows you the quality and the caliber of play um, going into even just the final lobby, right? So let's talk about that final lobby. Well, you had a, a pretty uh, high and low day in terms of like, like posting it first and then going eighth right after. And I honestly, you weren't even really in contention for like a, a top finish until kind of the last couple of games there. So let's, let's talk about like your day three, Malala. Oh yeah, sure. Actually, like I think like a, a, like a few more things go my way. Like, so for example, like day two that, or in game two, that like Wajin uh, Iverson played the Camille Camille into Zed line, that was like a game that could have easily swung like uh, like a like either five points for me or like five points for him, yep. kind of thing. Because yeah. like he was like looking to go like he was about to go like six and like I think if I clumped my back line against him as well, like I think I would have beat him too. Dude, you could have saved Bosso as well. By the way, yeah, he yeah, was exactly. first in that lobby like every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think like that game goes a little differently, and like the three of us are contesting for that world spot, like probably going into like the last three games. And, like, I was feeling, like, super spicy after my first Yumi game, so I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna run it back. And, like, I took Pandora's Bench. It was so bad. I have, I've never <laughs> done that before. Like, everyone told me the stats on Pandora's Bench is bad, and, like, that you should never take Pandora's Bench in Yumi, but I was, like, feeling so spicy. Like, I'm more dog's favorite son. I'm gonna hit everything. Oh. And, and, then, and I got benchlocked, like, instantly. And, like, I, I couldn't even play the game, and I, was just, I just went the fastest eighth of my life. And, like, going into the final game, like, I wasn't really thinking about, um... Like, uh, placing second, I was, like, just trying to get top four for regionals. And, like, at the end, people in my chat were just, like, it, like, you, like, you were second. And I was, like, pretty excited. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, 
were you guys talking between games at all to each other? Like, it, it felt like there was a high-stress environment, but it didn't seem like it affected you very much. I'm just curious if you guys were chatting between games. Um, actually, for me, I think this final lobby was actually, like, the least, like, stressful. I think, like, especially for me, because I didn't really, ex like, obviously, I didn't expect to be here. I'm just, like, really glad that I even got, like, I made it to day two, I made it past day two, and I made it to final lobby. And, like, honestly, just, like, seeing my, like, friends, like, Wage and Iverson and Fossil Skills in my lobby, like, I wasn't like super stressed. It's not like a like like no flame, but it's not like I'm playing as like new vowel like like set games in a row. But, like, so a little like, flame. for me, for me like the stress level was actually like way lower than like any other lobby. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, you guys, you guys were still like on each other's boards, emoting at the start of every game. Like it's you guys were treating like solo queue. It felt like. Yeah. Nick, did it feel the same way for you? Like lower pressure than it otherwise would have been, just because you? Oh no, you were because you. I was gonna say on video and Malala, please have cam. Cause it's way better, but like, you look stressed as fuck during like certain times where you're like positioning and stuff. You looked so stressed as you were playing the game. Well, I would say I think the main reason is coming into this. Like, uh, as I said, I got day one corrupted, right? So this is like my best chance to make regionals. Cause if I don't, if I don't top four here, I have to probably get like at least like a top ten or top twelve finish in Mecha Cup, which could be like different patch, you know, different different set, whole lot of things going on. So I knew this was like my best chance to like seal regionals and I don't have to worry about it as much. Also like that game too, I am, that was the most disgusting. Like I played that game so bad, like unbelievably bad. Like not even counting the Wage and Iverson fight. Like there were a lot of like small micro and like macro mistakes that I made that game. And then in like the fight that I lost, all I have to do is put a tank that's like not echo in my backline and I will never lose the fight. Because the only way I lose the fight is, like, the Echo taunts away, and then the Zed got, like, unit blocked. So then the Zed just walked into my backline and just killed my, my ace units. And that was, like, such a stupid mistake. And, like, I've had I've played that scenario so many times and I never made... Anyways, like, <laughs> after that game, I was, like, feeling stressed because, you know, my I handled the first game. I went first. I handled the second game. It should have easily converted it to be a first. But I, I like, choked it away. And if I go 1-1 there... Like, my, I, I would be feeling so much better. You know, no one else would be that close to me. And I would pretty much have regionals locked already. And all I'd have to do is, like, get mediocre results. And at that point, I could just really try and play for, like, the world spot. But I think because, like, I kind of choked away that game too, it put, like, pressure on me. And I stopped playing as aggressively for, like, higher placements. And I was, like, trying to make sure I got, like, my top fours or, like, my good fifths. And just making sure I don't go, like, seventh or eighth so that I can try and, like, secure my fourth and go to regionals. And I think that, uh... I'm not gonna say, like, I could've won the tournament, but, like... Because I don't think I could've. But, you know, like, if I had... Like, I think it really, like, took a toll on me mentally. And I was, like, really, really stressed playing, like, games three and four. Right. Yeah, yeah, It's hard to move on when you know, like, what could've yeah. been, uh, for sure. Okay, I'm curious. So, you're right about the positioning, right? Like, obviously, if you, like, swap Sedge backline or whatever, you can't lose. But... With your positioning, were you still stunned that you lost? Like, if you run that fight 10 times, how many times do you think your board wins? And how many times do you think his board wins? Oh, I think it was, like, 1 in 100, 1 in 200. Okay. Like, some crazy fight. Yeah. Like, he, his Zed, like, de-aggroed, like, my, my Samira ult. It, like, jumped behind my MF ult. It legit, it, it, like, literally dodged everything. Perfect pathing. Like, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was my fault. It should be, it, it shouldn't matter what fight RNG he gets there. He should never be able to win. It's a good Got perspective. It. Got it. How? You, what was your reaction to like watching Wajin pop off? It must feel also special because 
It feels like you guys also like are fans of Wage, and I can't tell. Last episode, Basil Skills, you were in chat, kind of gassing him up uh, a, a, a healthy amount, I would say, but also dangerously close to that line. What, is, is there something special? Is there like a bromance going on here that I don't know about? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so, but it's kind of just like you want to see your friends succeed, you know? So <laughs> it was like, honestly, I didn't, this might sound like kind of weird to say, but I didn't like really want the world spot that badly. I know that sounds like really like, oh, I, I would have loved to get the world spot, but I would be like, after the second game, it kind of felt like I didn't deserve it, to be honest. Like after after I made that ah. mistake, I was like I I sort of hope someone else gets it because like I don't want to go to worlds in that sort of way where it's like I I'm high rolling so hard that I can make like these sort of huge mistakes in games that cost me multiple placements and still mm -hmm. go to worlds, right? I I want to sort of like get it authentically. So I was really happy to see him win. I would have also been equally happy to see Ryan win because you know they're both my friends and so. I would have been happy to see either of them. But of course, congratulations to Wage and Iris, and you really deserved it. Why are you laughing so hard, man? He's trying to, he's saying something really nice, and it's it, 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 going to be real over here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on there? Sometimes, whenever Boss Skills says something, you always have to take it with like a little grain of salt. Like, you don't know what exactly he's holding in. And like, like he always, like, he's holding something in. He wants to say, like, like he wants to flame me at the end, but he's just holding it in because we're, we're on camera right now. Oh, okay, is I he see, right? Were you holding something in? <laughs> no, I wasn't holding anything in at all. This guy's just, man, he's just an instigator. He just loves making shit up. That's like his, that's like his comedy bit. He just loves just creating this bullshit like his little big old big old innocent smile like i'm just saying i'm trying to have a wholesome moment here and he's just like giggling to himself <laughs> all right all right well boss just talked about his biggest regret of the tournament which is something one one question i want to ask Maul. do you have any like one singular moment that stands out to you of something that like you wish you did better or maybe if you want to speak positive since we're on a wholesome vibe here maybe your favorite moment of the event yeah sure uh I definitely think like going into final lobby, I I was like kind of in the same boat as Nico, like in terms of the world spot. Like I also didn't feel like I deserved it, obviously, because like I I should I should have been eliminated on day one. And I honestly think like Wajin Iverson is like legitimately like an a, like astro beast. Like as soon as like, like I started talking to this guy in like PBE, and like as soon as like this like the set dropped, like I knew this guy was like like an absolute freak. Like whenever I talk to him, like he knows like exactly like why he's doing what he's doing, and like I feel like. The way we play is like pretty similar, but he just makes like like half the amount of mistakes that I do. Got it, got it. Well, yeah. that means he's pretty good because I I just feel like Wajin in general was very clean all, all weekend long. Yeah. If you didn't get a chance to watch his gameplay, it was also very inspiring in some ways because I, I half the games I was watching when I wasn't casting, I was like, man, okay, like maybe he like top fours me here, and he just finds ways to just keep pushing. And of course, things fortunately fall his way. A couple of like really important matchmaking or. Boss of skills, mispositioning right in a fight where maybe he shouldn't uh, have won. But still, I felt like that's exactly what it is, which is capitalization on, on opportunities given your way and also just like doing really cool stuff that was, I feel like no other player in that lobby would have actually taken the same line, Bryce. Totally. It's easy to fixate on the fight RNG and the like minor mistake, quite frankly, Nico. I would not beat yourself about that one too much, to be honest with you. You didn't do something like horribly wrong. You did something slightly wrong. And to be honest, when I looked at the fight loading in, I was like, okay, he clumped. Like he can't he can't lose. Like his board is so much stronger. He did the he did he made the safe, like the conservative play positioning. Um and yeah, but the flip side of that is that like 
I don't think anyone plays that line, and no one gets a second in that game other than Weijin. I, I like the fact like he win streaks all of stage four playing Camille Carey, like ab- abusing the like AD one when it's still really good. Um, and then it goes from it like goes from there. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was gonna bottom out of that lobby for sure. As a, it was a nutty second, one of the best seconds I've ever seen actually. Yeah. Oh, well, is everything okay? Your uh, <laughs> your light, light is. On. Are you having a rave at your house? And you didn't invite us. Uh, sometimes, like the lights in my 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 room get a little freaky. All right. Okay. Uh, either that or Malala's house was the stage setting for Stranger Things. So it's really really crazy what's going on uh, in your background. We're just gonna move on. On that note, one thing we want to do in these reviewed episodes is look at our power rankings and see how accurate we were. We won't spend too much time on this, mainly because it's it's a little bit poor form to talk about how smart we are but god damn were we smart this we is good we did a victory lap top a victory six lap for once out of the top 16 right when we get when we power rank 15 of them that feels like a pretty fair criteria we nailed 11 of them and we only got four wrong in terms of the day one which is kurum iniko soju and ripple overdrive but thanks to malala oh, doing great, it's just missing basso skills which we'll get also as well. We asked them to, to submit their top 15. I feel like this top 15 was good. This is one of our best hits, Bryce. This is a really good one. And Bosso Loki griefed this too because I actually have him on my list. And then he, I messaged him the day I, I submitted the power rankings. He's like, I'm not good. Do not rank me. Really? And I didn't. And yeah, yeah, 100%. And then three days later, he messaged me. Never mind. I clicked. We're good. Um, which is why I drafted him. So thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. It, so I literally swapped. I had Minhee off at 16 and Bosso on and then I just swapped them. I was like, alright, if Bosso's like not confident in his form. I had P God at set and set and forget. Or no, I think I had clear at set and forget on 15. Because I couldn't not rank him, but I wasn't convinced that he was good, that he actually like had the right beat for the tournament. And he was like running it down and I was like, I don't know that I want to fuck with this. But he but he's I think he's really good at hero augments and good at the set. So I didn't want to not rank him. Yeah, sorry about that. Someone invited me into a PBA game. I didn't realize my client was still open. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's really fun how Things change from even Monday to like Wednesday night uh, in terms of uh, the confidence. Uh, I just want to ask really quickly before I also reveal who had the best and worst ballots. Uh, when you're putting on these lists, Milal or Boston goes, does that add pressure? Or does that feel like more confidence going into the weekend? We'll start off with you, Nico. Um, I think honestly for me, it kind of like I've never made like a a consensus top 15 list and i think being on one would actually add a lot of pressure to me i i think in general going into mid set for me without like i i pretty much had no pressure which was like a really really solid feeling because i didn't see anyone it didn't really feel like anyone had any expectations for me and i think that's sort of like what happened to me sometimes like the pressure gets you in other tournaments like in corrupted i'm like i had never gotten day one in my life I like psyched myself out about it because I was like, you know, if I, if I don't, I thought I wouldn't make mid set if I got day one corrupted. So I was like, you know, all I have to do is not get day one. If I make day two, I'm a shoe and yada, yada, yada. I put so much pressure on myself. And I think that's, that would sort of be a thing. If like, I'm not going to say that people would like start putting me higher on the rankings by a lot, but you know, if, if all of a sudden I see myself up there in the rankings, like before Mecha cup or like before regionals or something, I think that would put pressure on me and, you know, I think a little is a good thing, and I have to sort of, like, get over that, but I think it was just a boon for me before mid-set, specifically, that I didn't have mm. any pressure. That's good, that's good. I think I guess you work really well in, like, an underdog situation, 
and then able to prove him uh, prove him wrong. Sorry, it's really hard to focus because Malala's lights for people who are just listening on audio only. It's ascended to a different level because he turned off the light behind him, but somehow it's it, there's still even more flickering to complete yeah. darkness. <laughs> all right, all right, oh, we're all right. Back. <laughs> okay, so I think I think it's an interesting dynamic, uh, Nico. That like oh, the man. being ranked will add pressure. Uh, it's definitely something you got to push through because as you get better, it's just gonna happen more and that's more. Right, like, I don't that's think right. I don't think Wajin is leaving this list anytime soon, and uh, and I think that you both actually could easily wind up climbing up here if you keep posting the consistent results. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see, right? Ripple had a chance to kind of prove that and cement it. Maybe that spot's open for you. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, a lot can change to 8.5. And also, who knows if all these people are competing in the next set as well. We'll end up seeing. Uh, all right. Let's also look at the best ballots. And actually, hold on. So the reason I don't have best ballots, actually, now that I look at it, because there was a five-way tie for people who got 11 correct. But there's only two ballots that uh, missed and got lower than 10. There was two ballots that got nine correct out of the 15 so it's kind of the the worst balance but it's all in good fun because it's just predictions it's dqa and clear dqa ended up putting people like garrett and cottontail and re-replay and then clear ended up putting minhi yogurt uh and pitsy and these are like people that aren't bad votes whatsoever it's just i think it's just the luck of the dice so as much as it's people who uh, didn't actually get like a, the 11 out of 15. I think these are some names that you should keep an eye on because for 8.5, you know they're going to come back swinging, Bryce. Yeah. I mean, putting Cottontail on your ballot was kind of trolling given his uh, <laughs> the way he was approaching the tournament and his sure, form sure, at the sure. time. Uh, but otherwise, I agree with everything you said. I don't really know anything about Garrett. Um, I think Yogurt's going to continue to improve. I, I, I have not watched the VODs, but I get the impression that the pressure is getting to him by some of the conversations that I have seen. So okay. um, we'll see. you know, people seem really high on him, and I'm excited to watch him pop off in tournaments as he gets a little bit more comfortable. It's a journey, man. It's a re- it's a, it could be a long journey. I mean, we were having the conversation about Malala was being ranked in set six, right? Like We were having conversations about Malala. It never quite clicked, and I think it's starting to come together, and I'm really excited. I'm glad you're like making the second leap, and then boss so i played in games with you forever and i feel like it's starting to click for you as well so um yeah i mean i'm ranking both you guys for a while uh, I, I don't see that changing for the rest of the set quite frankly like even at regionals all right and with that let's talk about the top 15 that basso and malala submitted so it's something that we're doing on a reviewed episodes if basso skills and malala were panelists on dti ydk what what would they be submitting for their current top 15 who wants to go first here? Malala, you're grinning a lot, and we also don't know how long your power source will stay on, so why don't you go first? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, like, actually, like, Nico sent me his power rankings, and, like, so, like, I took a look at his list. Like, obviously, he he wants to have, like, one of me, so he has to rank himself higher than me, even though I've outperformed him <laughs> in his entire career. So, and, so, like, wow. so, but then, but he also has to be humble, so he has to add, like, like a bunch of players that he probably doesn't think that... He, are actually better than him which is which is also why he's laughing to himself right now but i on the other hand was very like decently honest with my with my power rankings uh, i see i see i see so but you put wage and iris at number one so you truly believe that this guy he's really up there if not the best on the server right now yeah i definitely think wage and iris is probably okay well i said definitely but okay so i think like my power rankings they're definitely like tiers I think one, two, three, I think people would argue is like interchangeable, but I think Weijin and Dishlip are for sure one, two. Sesko is like obviously like one of the best players. And then there's, I think next tier is probably like uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, like Robin and Kurum are like obviously oh, really shit. solid. 
that that's a shot fired. Bo you have boss. Boss skills at ten. <laughs> There's a big fucking gap between nine and ten. Yeah, I actually, I actually kind of do think that like there, there was actually a pretty big gap right there. Um, obviously, I actually respect Nico a lot. Like, I think I would, I would have put him like if I had like a ballot, I would have put him top fifteen going into set eight, like mm. going into defender and stuff. Uh, he just never like put up like a, a good result until this tournament. Wow. Um, <laughs> what, so what do you think? Is the, what do you think is the gap between nine, nine and ten? Like, what do you perceive as like the like meaningful skill separation? Oh, um, so it's like, uh, if you, I think like ten through thirteen is like the next tier, um, like Basu to Soju. Um, I don't know. It's like Sox is always like a little hit or miss. Like you never know if like he's being a genius or if like he's trolling. And then uh, like Soju is also like one of those players that is like, it's just like you never know if he's gonna actually play the game or not. And so, like for me to like actually like rank like Nico higher, I feel like he'd need to be like a way more consistent attorney. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the way he plays is just like like super top four oriented. I don't know if like that's good mm -hmm. for Tourney or like bad for Tourney just yet. Obviously, like history would prove that it's actually bad for Tourney. You know, but like this Tourney, like he actually did well. Wait, what? Well, history doesn't prove that in general. He might oh, have no, just for him. But like yeah. the most consistent tournament player that I can think of on the ladder is Robin. And it Robin. doesn't get a lot more top four oriented than Robin. Yeah. Well, I think um, I actually don't know if like uh, I would classify Robin as like a top four player. I I don't watch him like too much, so like I don't know like too much about Robin. He used to be at least. I know he's he's been yeah, trying to change identity the past yeah. set in particular. So these days he's less and less. In fact, Robin. While he's not necessarily reflecting these tournament results with uh, first race, on ladder he's been going first race a little bit more often, saying that he's trying to flex that muscle. So I think that's an interesting observation. Is Chat's that... kind of giving you grief, by the way, about Minhee <laughs> and putting him oh. 14th. I, I feel like you need to respond to that. Well, I, I, I respect Minhee a lot. Um, I think going into Defender, I would have put like, all four of us go, like top 15. I think the issue is that like you can't, like with his like results, I think like my uh, PR is like mostly... Is pretty results oriented mm, and like okay. with his results I, I don't really think i could put him in my top 13. understood understood that i mean you sense. have clear at eight it's not like clear has been like a consistent tournament performer i think for or like for this set because he, he went second at um mm -hmm. corrupted and like he did he, i think he made day two in mid set he did and he did okay in defender i think yeah he did great in defender he made it to the second yeah. in the last lobby but didn't have enough points because the final lobby so yeah i because i think clear is actually second in qualifier points right now yeah, that's fair. If you're if yeah. you're just doing it based on results this set, then I yeah. can believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So Nico, we heard Malala. He had the floor. He talked about the gaps. Walk us through. You start off with Dish Soap. You end with Minhe at one to fifteen. Give me the rundown, baby. Oh, I mean, if if we wanted to do gaps again, I think, I think it's same thing for like top three. I think one, two, and three is pretty interchangeable. I think, like for me, honestly, it would be like if we ran mid set again. I feel like starting like from day one, I would just be most like most worried about having just like I would not want to have dish soap in my lobby the most, mm. and that's sort of like how I'm going off it. And then honestly, like makes sense. I think, I think Setsuko is like a really good player, but I think his read was like complete garbage for this tourney. Like he had the same read as Malala, where he's like playing this like a lot of AD <laughs> flex, and he's playing like Samira Belbeth, which I feel like if you're starting bow, those are like the two comps that you like want to be playing like the least. Well, maybe not Belveth as much, but I don't think you want to be defaulting Samira. I think, like, Recons and Jax were a lot stronger going into this. But I think Setsuko was, like, an amazing player. It's just I don't think his read was very good. So I think that's, like, the gap. And I'd say, like, 
the next market, not to be a not to be contrary or trying to one up me Lala here, but I would go like four to eight probably. Just because <laughs> guaranteed. Uh, let's we, just I locked that it in chat before four, we got there. Broccoli, Kurum, DK, Robin, Boston Skills, Gat Malala. <laughs> well the thing is like, okay, if Juku's girlfriend was not on the cruise, Milala would have gotten day one. And then he would be oh? like fifteenth, right? Just because of results. True. So, like you can't you can't like realistically put this guy above me when he's like talking about results and he's fluking his way into getting a second because <laughs> if, he, if he didn't have this right he would still be the tournament choker like all he would ever have is like some final lobby choke jobs and like some mediocre performances <laughs> versus like i'm i have more like an up and like i'm not a turning choker i just like you can see like a consistent rise in my performances like set six set 6.5 i was like 800 lp challenger player you know like like day one well i didn't never got day one but i was like day two most of the time is like sort of my peak i made day three like once and like through set seven it was like day threes and day fours and then now like if you take out corrupted cup which was a fluke then, uh, <laughs> then, then like i i had pretty solid performances where i i think i went i went 12th at defender and then i went third at mid set without having to re rely on a fluke so i think there's like a gap and then uh it's so like Kurum, Kurum and Robin are just in general, they're just like really good turning performance. And then um DQA, DQA and Broccoli both played really well at a mid set, and so that's kind of why I have them so high since I I sort of took this as like like a set eight review and also like looking into set eight point five. Mm. Like I think Broccoli, you know, Bro Broccoli had like dominance points like day two, he won day two, and then day three he was tied he was tied with me for a third. And, like, he was one away from second, being tied with Malal for a second. So we were, like, 32, 31, 31. So, like, we are basically interchangeable in terms of, like, how close we were. So I think Malal, I mean, uh, I think Broccoli just had, like, a really, really solid performance. Yeah. And so that's why I put him there. Re really fast, I want to jump in on Broccoli before you keep going. Because I, I completely agree with Nico on this. I think Broccoli was, like, an AD beast who, who then, like, studied under Pitsy, one of the better AP players on the server, and improved a lot. And I think Broccoli's raw skill of the game is insane. And his only issue, quite frankly, is that he's inconsistent in terms of his form and how much he's up to speed in the meta. So I was really surprised. This is one of the biggest, this is the biggest point of differentiation, actually, in your two ballots is that that Malal, you have him at nine um so can you talk about why you valued broccoli a lot lower than than i do and nico does yeah sure um for me like uh, i don't think like i remember when wage and iverson was doing his ballot like he didn't watch any of the broccoli bots so like i personally have like never seen broccoli actually like play his own pov oh. but then like i i don't remember him putting like up good results for defender or corrupted but mm -hmm. like but he did do well at mid-set obviously um but yeah that's that's pretty much like my only take Okay. You should watch Broccoli play TFT. He's one of the most fun people to watch on the server because most of what he does is intuition, and he's really good. So mm -hmm. he's gonna have some. He's gonna have some plays in his games where you look at it and you're like, "You did what? Huh?" And it does yeah. not make any fucking sense. It's kind of like Solus, but like with a little bit more consistent thinking behind the decision making. He has reasoning. But yeah, Broccoli's. He's got his reasoning for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, Actually, yeah. Yeah, I can add it because like I think there's like this one game right. Um, uh, it was like the Shojin JG Shiv Belveth game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, I like, I feel like it's like a really hard in tourney. Like, there's a fine line between like actually like like the ideal version of playing TFT where people are like playing upgraded fours, like playing flexibly, like playing the units just to hold your thing, and, like actually playing the game. Because like I feel like when you're playing flexibly, it's like a kind of like a double edged sword. You're just playing for like your good fourth or like your good fifth, but you're never actually gonna like top two or like even like maybe top three a, a like game. I feel like that's like kind of what I saw when 
in like those final games. Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. And, and he needed to play for the win, right? That's that's kind of the criticism there. Okay, that makes sense. Anyway, Nico, keep keep going. I just wanted to. I didn't want to get off. Okay, so we get. Hold on. It's just a recap. We have a big gap between number eight at Bossa Skills and number nine at Malala. Okay, continue. Yeah, and by the way, that gap. As much as you're using the results, it has to be said, man, because you are my fancy team. I was very excited about this tiebreak, but you guys seem fucking number points on day one, man. Yeah, same yeah. number of points. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't deserve. He did not belong there. Get this creep <laughs> out of my day two and day three lobbies. He got, you won the tiebreaker, and he talked that much shit. It's crazy. I breaks are a tiebreak for a reason, but also I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of threw one of one of the one of the games on day one. I also like threw away a free two points, but. So there shouldn't have been a gap, but true, true, I true. I think uh, I one of the last fights I was fighting a ghost and I got my carry Zephyr. I was completely wrong side like my entire board, but mm, <laughs> so I like I like yeah I like I like grieved <laughs> I, I grieved a few points there, but the it shouldn't have been that close. Anyway, by the way, that that's actually one small piece of feedback on your play from watching a bunch this weekend. You've got to clean up order of operations and turns. You spend the last five seconds of your positioning phase thinking about your future game a lot. The number of times I see you like not reposition like shrouds and zephyrs or like sedgwani things like that. You just gotta get it in your head that like that that last five seconds you scout, you position, and then you figure out whatever you're thinking about after. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Okay, back, to, back, to <laughs> back to the list. Back to the list. Back to the list. I think the next one is probably like a nine to thirteen, and I think for like speaking for clear, I didn't really know where exactly I would rank him. I feel like he's a pretty pretty solid player, and he has a lot of solid insights when like he's looking and like watching. But I feel like a lot of the times when he he plays, he like makes some mistakes and like commits too hard mm -hmm. to some of his takes that he thinks. Like he commits too hard to some things that he thinks are good, and like sometimes in reality they aren't like as good as he he expects, and so like he he comes up short sometimes there. I think for Socks, it's same sort of thing as Milala, where he's like really hit or miss. Sometimes Socks is like the genius of all time and sometimes you just like he's like playing too flex like he he's getting he's he's flying too close to the sun and just ends up crashing and burning i i think like for kivix very very like high ceiling player he's like insane to watch insane turning results and he uh i, I don't know he's just like a great player but he's very inconsistent and then soju like honestly i think soju is very good but i watched some of his uh like i watched some Vods of him like playing playing in this tourney and i wasn't very impressed by like some of his lines i feel like he just wasn't like as prepped as he could have been i think soju like when he really likes the game and when he's really preparing to play is like an insane insane player but this tourney just didn't feel like that for me and then i have little top at 14 who's not a uh, who like some people might be surprised to see her but i just think like i just think he's a solid player i watched his uh Vods from Corrupted when Wajin Iverson was like doing the power rankings and I thought he just looked solid. He had like decent performance at mid-set. He got day two to I think in like 18th place or something. But I I just think he's a solid player and an up-and-comer. And then Minhee, I've seen him play a lot in call so I know Minhee's a good player but I, I think the results just don't really match up to it for me to rank him higher. I like that. It seems like you put a lot of thought into it. And I like using these like two these last couple of spots. I said it last episode as well to kind of give a shout out to you think who, who aren't quite there, but you know what their ceiling is or they're showing that flashes of brilliance. I agree. I think Little Top's shown a ton of improvement. I, 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 I'll, I'll, probably, I'll say it every time I can until maybe he gets the recognition. He's a really fun player to watch. 
Bryce is now like a lifetime fan of Little Top totally. now after watching him this past weekend. Dude, he meets all the boxes I'm looking for. He seems like a very nice guy, always smiling, always having a good time. He streams with Cam on, and he pops off while doing it. It's great energy. And he really likes playing, like, actual TFT. Like, probably too good at TFT, to be honest with you. He got lost in the sauce a couple times. I definitely <laughs> do not think he belongs to the top 15 right now, if I'm being honest, having watched 12 little top games this weekend. or Like, I, I think that he has moments where he looks impressive, and then he has moments where he is, like, a, a little bit... He's cooking a little bit too much. And, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, gonna, yeah. And it's kind of like what Malal was talking about with Broccoli, where it's like... I mean, you're cooking, but is it, is it going to taste good at the end? Like, you're definitely cooking, though, for sure. He he has that kind of vibes for me. And he also has the same order of operations thing that you do. The number of times he, like, doesn't position at the end of fights is, like, you know, he, it's it's really, really important, especially as you're getting up in the power rankings, because this is areas where edge can be pretty small. If you're all sweating, I agree. A lot of right now, the lists are form, but, like, for regionals, when you're all sweating, edge is, like, hard to come by, and you mm -hmm. gotta you got to find it in places like that. Yep, yep. So definitely a good good name to keep on the lookout for as we I wanna I wanna Go ask ahead. one question before you transition. I'm really curious. You both put Kerm at fifth. You both value Kerm really highly, which surprises me a little bit, right? He's coming off of two weaker tournament performances for him. So can you talk a little bit about like I love Kerm. I'm I'm just curious for your perspective on it. I don't want to like bias anything. Why why do you both value Kerm so highly? Okay. Honestly for me. Like, this funny story with uh, both Corum and Robin, actually, in set 7, I, like, watched them play a lot, and I didn't think, like, they were any good at all, to be completely honest. But then, like, I watched more, like, when I first started watching them. And then I, like, watched more and, like, saw the results. And I, I well, the first thing, I was, like, I looked at the results, and they were, like, I looked at their tourney performances, and I'm, like, wow. They're both smurfing every single tournament. Like, what's going, like, something must, like, either I'm an idiot or they're high-rolling every game. And then, like, it turns out I was just an idiot. And, like, they're both they're both beasts. Like, at some point, results, like, don't lie. And after that, like, I was a lot more high on, like, Kerm and Robin. And then so, like, going into this tournament, I think a lot of people, like, going into a, going into Defender as well, like, a lot of people had Robin specifically very high. And I think they're both, like, similar sort of players with their top four kind of players. And I think, like... Just in general, for me, this is, like, kind of a list of who I would be, like, sort of not wanting to see in my lobbies. And I think I sort of get that energy where it's, like, I don't really want to see Kuramex in my lobby because I think a lot of times he can transform, like, those sort of sixes and sevens for most players into, like, a top four. And it's not really, like, for me, like, the Kuram ranking was not really based on his turning results or performance because, obviously, as you said, they're a little weaker than you normally expect from him. But, like, I still think he's just an amazing player, and that's kind of why I have him fifth. Cool. I like that answer. Well, yeah, I think for me, like, uh, like, because I also have a review with, like, Faso, and we, we watch the same people. Like, we kind of had, like, the same opinion on Robin and Kurum, uh, like, before set eight. And I think, like, for me, uh, I actually wanted to put my... I was, like, thinking about putting myself fifth and Kurum sixth. But I think... <laughs> but, but, like, when I watch Kurum play, I think, like, one of his, like, um, points that he's really good at is, like... He'll like randomly like level seven on three five like no streak, but he's like really good at making like a really good board on seven with like a really small amount of gold that makes him like ridiculously strong for just even like a few rounds that actually like makes his spot like really insane. That's like something like I would never think to do, and like I I don't even know if it's like necessarily correct in order to place like his highest like average placement in his given spot, but uh, it's like he makes it work and like he always like usually puts up like a really decent uh, like placement afterwards. That's fair enough. 
Yeah, that yeah. fear factor is something that's so interesting. Um, and maybe something I should probably incorporate more in my, my rankings as Bryce and I get more tournament experience ourselves. Yeah, right now I'm afraid of everybody. How about you? <laughs> yeah, right now I want none of these top 15 players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. none of them. <laughs> uh, all right, and on that note, let's move on to our last major segment of the show, and then we'll wrap it up, is Agree. We just throw out some hot takes, maybe some uh, room temperature takes, and just ask the panel if they agree. So the first one is kind of similar to what we just talked about with Little Top. For official competitions, all players should be required to compete with their cameras on while streaming. Let's start off with Malala. Oh, uh, I, I dis. I guess I would say I disagree. Like I don't really have like a really strong take. Like I know, like as a spectator, it's probably way better for like a spectator. Um, to see like the competitor with cam like they have that for like all the like bigger esports like um, like I remember at SC2 they used to have it and like uh, League they have it for Valorant they have it but I guess like as a competitor sometimes like like you don't want to be thinking about like like what you're doing on camera and stuff and like you don't want to be like thinking about like that kind of stuff while you're in a like really high stakes competition so I, I guess like for me I would probably say disagree okay and that's totally fair you are a competitor alright Nico well for me I did compete with camera so I think this this was actually my first tournament that I have camera on because, as Milal said, like the worry is you 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 don't want to be like thinking about you know what you're doing with your hands like do do you look weird what does your hair look like that sort of thing, but honestly for me I didn't really like feel, the feel that my camera was on most of the time so I would probably go with agree I just think, it's because it's so much better spectator experience it's better for like, the sort of look of TFT as an esport in general. So I think just in terms of like funding and like how official, like in terms of growth, I think it would be good. But at also at the same time, I, I recognize that, you know, for some people that might, it might be a little more annoying for them. Like they might have bad habits or whatever. Like I, I used to bite my nails a lot. So if you have some sort of bad habits like that, and you don't want to show it on camera. I think that's totally valid, but I think I would lean more towards agree. Okay. Fair enough. Bryce? Oh, I am a, I'm a giga agree with this statement. It's not that I don't see the issues on the other side. I do. I recognize that some people might th make them feel more nervous or like you might have bad habits that you worry about, whatever. I'm in a fiat for a second that everyone has a camera. If there's anyone who actually like does not have the technology or the internet capa capability, that's a different story, right? Like the, the, we should be providing a camera. Any TFT player that wants to stream with the camera that does not have one, seriously, if you're like anyone who's ever been ranked, ever gotten a vote for a rank, DM me and I'll buy you a camera. I'll send it to your, I'll send it to oh, your wow. like, um, because I, the thing is, if you're disagreeing with this statement, you are optimizing for the wrong things, right? We need to be optimizing for the collective health and success of this game. We're a relatively pivotal part of our journey, quite frankly, right? Riot is ramping up resource investment right now, but right? I would expect to see TFT Esports grow a meaningful amount in the coming two years. They, we just got our first hires for TFT Esports not that long ago, like dedicated TFT Esports people. And so... If you want this to be successful, we need stories. And to, quite frankly, some of the only storytelling that actually happens in the TFT community is this podcast, right? And like yeah, we've done multiple, true. we've done multiple face reveals of people either on the show or on the rankings, and like we get to know you guys. Like I learned a lot about both of you today for the first time, and I think that's part of what makes it so fun. And so for me, it's like we we need if you want to tell stories, 
then we need human beings that are playing. If you want human beings that are playing, we need to see you playing. And I'm sorry if that means that, like, you have to slightly adjust your behavior or if it means that, like, something goes wrong for you when we see you, like, get upset. Like, that sucks. It definitely sucks. But that's that's – we should all be part of that same – you know, thing of like all investing in the growth of the of the community, and I think as as a sports thing, we shouldn't we shouldn't be putting these types of artificial limitations on ourselves. Like we're already it's already hard. We're not in the same physical space, right? Think about how fun Summit was in comparison to this, and like mm -hmm. not being able to see your faces makes the product drastically worse. Yes. I really do not think that can be overstated. And so for me, this is like such an easy agree, even knowing the trade offs. Bryce said pretty much everything I I said. If you really want to. Partake in TFT for yourself. I understand why you don't want to have camera, and I'm not going to bag you on it. I think, like, like Kerm, for example, pushed back really hard whenever the first time I asked him to it. Mm -hmm. um, and he helped show me a little bit of, like, why he needed to do that. But at the same time, if you want something more than just your own experiences in, in the TFT tournament, you want the scene to continue to develop, it's really important to get people more engaged. So, I, you know, I, if anything, it's just is I applaud people like Boss of Skill. That's why, that's why Little Top is so fun to watch. Uh, Nicknacks in chat. Nicknack turns cam on when he visits. Yogurt is talking about how nervous he is, and he turned his cam on for tournament. Mm -hmm. So proud of that guy, and, and I think it'll only translate to more success if you do end up going to land. You recognize that because I know Cle clears in chat saying like, if you want cams, invite us to land. That's not how it works, man. The lands are so much less likely to work if you if you're not actually even willing to cooperate with the program in the first place also someone wrote in chat nightstar says shadowverse increases the prize money if they have cam on for the tournament that's a really interesting, interesting. thing that i never considered uh maybe i can uh see if rise will do that or or wisdom i think that'd be pretty fascinating because that means boss of skills won't be sad that he's uh minus 1500 right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe if i get plus 1600 <laughs> yeah there you go there you go this is appearance fee Chad was kind of split, but a slight favored agree, like a 55-45 split. I think that was a good one. Let's go to our second agree. North America has the most depth of any competitive region in TFT at the moment. I know this is a biased podcast, of course, we're NA focused, but I just want to get some opinions. Start off with boss of skills. I mean, honestly, this is like a really hard question to answer, right? Because it's not like anyone has the time to, you know, go watch you know, KR, EU, China, like, you can't watch all of the other regions, but, uh, I mean, to say best is kind of hard, but I would say we have, like, a very, I think we're definitely one of the, one of the top regions that has, like, a, a big diversity, because I think, um, we were having a conversation about this in Discord before, and, like, we were talking about how strong China is, and I was saying, I, I feel like China is not really that strong outside of, like, their top two or top three players. And, like, as a region, I honestly think NA is probably stronger if you look at, like, the, you know, the sort of, like, next next 15, next 20, that sort of thing. So, like, in comparison to, like, the like the big region that everyone talks about, I think the answer is probably yes. So, I Oof. would agree. I love that answer. Malala, you're grinning way too much. Are you about to disagree here? <laughs> oh, I feel like, like, just, like, statistically, like, you have to disagree that, like, they're like probably like there are actually like so many astro cranks in like China that like there's like just there's probably no way that NA is the most de the most deep. But like, I definitely agree. Like sometimes like when you watch the CN stream, like there are like these guys that you never heard of and like you actually have no clue what they're doing. But like I think like definitely like the but I feel like there are actually like a lot of like really good Chinese players like at the very top. Like there are a lot like more than just like the top three, like like probably like the top like fifteen or something are like astro cranks. 
Okay, interesting. So he disagrees because he's going off the stats, Bryce. But Bryce, you answer from the heart and the eyes. Hit me with it. I mean, I'm going to disagree. I would love oh! to. pointing out a data point that is in our favor, which is that NA has highest average placement at uh, at Worlds, which is pretty good. That is a good stat for us. I think I think we've low-rolled a little bit of Worlds final days. I think, um, I think that Ramkev... Or DQA in set four. D- DQA wound up finishing ninth. I think he got tie broke out of the final lobby. And then Goobums. Was it set five Goobums? Set six Goobums. Right. Set, set, six. Six, set six Goobums. I think they were every bit as good as the best players. It ended in four games. There's no way you could have decided who was the best player that day. Yeah. yeah. It, there's just like too much. There's a ton of variance in Checkmate. There's a ton of variance yeah. in TFT in general. Right. And so for me... I don't think that, like, the fact that we haven't won a world championship says a whole lot. We haven't had that many world championships, to be honest. But just the volume of players, man. There are just so many fucking players in China. Like, surely they are deeper. I will say that this is the deepest we've ever been by a fairly significant margin. I am stoked to be sending Weijin to Worlds. I think he's going to be an awesome representative. Um, And no disrespect to AMD, but he was not a polished player at the level of what Weijin is right now when he qualified through mid-set. So I think we kind of high-rolled who who qualified through mid-set, quite frankly. I agree with the assessment that he belongs in the top three right now. Um, and I think reasonable minds can disagree about what the order of that is, but I think he's definitely in the top three. So anyway, I think we're I think that there's a good chance we're gonna send a really deep roster and that I think we, we will be like super competitive at worlds this year. But that does not or champs. God, I gotta stop saying fucking worlds. Um no, you don't. you're not there at worlds yet. Or champs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. You can say whatever um, you anyway. Want. Anyway, I, I, I just I, this is so it's so unlikely that we are the deepest, but that is, but our world's reps might actually be pound for pound just as good. Interesting, interesting. I, I'm gonna just go with a soft degree right now, and I feel like I'm one of the most qualified people to make this statement mm-hmm. because I actually do watch every region I possibly can, and I just gotta say that it's not that I think it's because China is not good. I just think that they got they got gapped really hard in sat eight by the patch cycle how they had the month-long patch into the the the, the lunar new year which delayed their other patches so i watched their tournaments and it just felt like they were really behind they didn't even know the clear tft cleansing safeguard double lee sin tag they were playing like one lee sin so i was like oh my god the first time i was watching this on stream i'm like china's behind and it was like it was a weird moment for me to realize that north america was actually pioneering a good amount of the meta for all of tft and I think that's just why that's why I focus on at the moment. I think if if everything resets at 8.5 and China's again hard sweating because regionals is what matters to them and there's a 250k prize on the, on the line for them, maybe it just goes back. But I think right here in my heart of hearts, I believe North Korea does have the most depth, and I hope that keeps up for at least two more months. Uh, I don't know if that will, but I I'm gonna go to agree. Chat barely disagrees again. A 55-45 split, pretty contentious. But I, I really like the state of North America, and I just couldn't be more happy about how things were developing right now. All right, our last agree, and, and, and I hope it's a, it's a good one. Assuming reasonable balance, the glitched-out carousels mechanic will be great for competitive TFT. This is the defining mechanic for set 8.5, the glitched-out carousels. Let's start with Bryce here this time. I, I mean, I, I, like, isn't it just like crazy amount more variance in the game? It's like really hard for me to envision how that, how adding more 
like ex like extreme variance in these moments is like better for TFT. And I'm not saying that there's like no skill expression because there were some carousels today where it where it was a champion and two items, and obviously because they're popping off. That created a lot of very interesting decisions where I was like, okay, I'm evaluating two item components together with a unit. That's a lot of additional data. So there is probably some more skill expression going on in some of those moments. But overall, do I think that this is going to be good for TFT, like competitive TFT? Probably not. I think it, I think it's probably more for fun than it is good for competitive. I don't think it's going to like ruin competitive either. I played some lobbies today and it like didn't feel like it was like, oh, now the game is like too much variance and you can't express skill or anything. Didn't feel like that at all to me. But I, I don't think this is going to be good. So I guess I'm a soft disagree. Okay. Fair enough. Let's go to Malala. Uh, I'm actually like, not, not too sure exactly what the mechanic is. Oh, <laughs> you don't even know what it is. Okay, okay. okay so so like, <laughs> go ahead, Bryce. So the carousel can be a bunch of different random things. We don't even know all of them yet. We haven't played enough games. Mort says there's a lot of possibilities, including some really low likelihood. But it can be things like there's two item components on every champion. So you see like a bow and a sword. Or there's a duplicator over every champion. So everyone gets a duplicator. Or instead of a champion and therefore gold, right? Like you can sell the champion of the carousel. You can get a, an item anvil. So it, instead of getting a champion plus a component, you actually get a component plus you get an item component anvil that you get to rip and you get to pick. Or later in the game, you can get one that's a completed item anvil plus a completed item over top of it. Um, so it's uh, it's an interesting, yeah, it's a curveball that you can that you can get one, two, or three times in a game depending on it's RNG a knuckleball. on Carousel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that definitely doesn't sound like that'd be good for a competitive but <laughs> that sounds it sounds fun for sure <laughs> okay yeah, so it disagree from the disagree. Yeah. oh draconic eggs is the best one yeah the draconic me. eggs is what really gets me i'll yeah, just go here and then nico can go last which is i they they really had me with like okay uh there there's every duplicator is not the same by the way there's a lesser duplicator which means you could only use a duplicator on one to three costs, which I think is a really cool thing, and I, and I like that they're playing around with these kinds of concepts. I don't mind extra resources. I mean, hell, it's, it's really fun to see crazy amount of resources in some games, and then what you have to do with a little bit more limited. When it's a draconic egg, and it's like, you don't know how many turns it's going to be, if it's going to be three turns, eight turns, 11 turns, and you're loose streaking, and you're just like, oh my god, I don't know what's going on. I think, I think they need to dial it back just a little bit right now from where it currently feels, and thank goodness on PB, they can change a lot of things so i'm i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a soft disagree right now as well i don't think it's going to be great but i i do think it's very fun and as core i do think that i want to just have fun with tft so i know that it's not the highest priority for them because competitive tft is just a side thing that they do on top of their main game but i i i wish that they could just scale it back just a tiny bit all right boss of skills you you wrap us up here uh, I, I'm hard to disagree. I think this is very, very bad for competitive TFT. I haven't, I haven't played anything. Disclaimer. I have not played this at all. So this the, is just like theoretical. The true reaction. This is just purely theoretical. But, um, I think in general, like this reminds me. So like first patch of the set was like super heavy rolling on three, two. And I think like one very big worry with this is like, assuming you get like duplicator item you you can make like a two star three cost on stage two and i think it, it punishes loose streaking very very hard especially if you get like you get multi you get like two components or something on a win streak board is much stronger than getting two components on a loose streak board and like getting getting you know the champion duplicators mm -hmm. to get like a nyla two 
or 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 something. It's just it's just like a lot of power, and I think I I think it wasn't really necessary at all. I mean, I I know like they're making it like for fun, and it's, it it clearly seems more geared to like the casual players, but I can't imagine like how they could ever balance it to make it so that you know this sort of mechanic would ever be you know good for competitive TFT or even net neutral for competitive TFT. Okay. Okay. Can I can I make the quick counter argument? Just because I think it's worth having sure. out there really fast. Because I'm I lean your way too. But for what it's worth, there's some interesting dynamics where like getting two components from behind or getting a duplicator from behind or whatever is re- is really good if you're planning on then build like rolling golden stage three to build a board, for example, right? Or if you're planning on like if you're a high roller that's gonna skip stage four then you get less value out of that a lot of the times, right? If you're at stage three carousel going to stage four or stage two carousel going to stage three, then someone who can like roll and is going to build a strong board and can you know, try to use that duplicator right away or like get those items on an upgraded, you know, three costs right away. So I think, and, and then also like more item components in the game theoretically like gives more opportunity for skill expression or like, you know, it's like a slightly higher offering of power for your board, which might level things out. Like, I think there's some arguments that this isn't like going to be disastrous, but I mean, I lean your way as well. Okay. Well, we'll just have to see. I mean, again, these are just initial reactions. Boxers hadn't even played a game. Milan didn't even know what the mechanic was. So take our opinions with grains of salt, please. It was just topical based yeah. off of 8.5. Pounds of salt. Pounds Speaking of, salt. of results that should be taken with a large grain of salt, yeah. I think it's just time we show the fantasy drafts in the quickest way possible, shall we? Just a quick recap. Bryce won Defender Cup Fantasy by seven points because he's a high roller. I won Corrupted Cup by a big gap because I am skilled. A giga high roller. And the results are in for the mid-set finale. DQA high-rolled so hard because Malala snuck in and blew out the competition. It was really close in day number two because we all had three players in. And then when Malala got in over Juke U, that blew the doors wide open. Not to mention that I also bombed out really hard on day number two. I don't think I'm ever going to draft socks again. <laughs> Period. Yeah. So it, it actually was the gap, man. Malala's, because you got 27 points on day one, right? So it's 60 point delta for DQA. Yeah, 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 it is. It is the, the, the gap between Bryce winning it's his second. It's literally winning by a point. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> my fucking, God. Fucking juke you diffed, man. This is some bullshit. Something about I, I, cruise. You'll be hearing from my. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. <laughs> so, something about cruises and TFT players. Boss of skills went on a cruise and 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 sprinted down 500 LP at the beginning. They said Juke gets on a cruise. Griefs Bryce fantasy. I don't even know what's going on. That being said, boss of skills, excellent performance. Yes, very very yes. good. <laughs> I would just like to point out, I do actually have more points than Milala does overall. If you're looking Ooh. at the tournament as well, <laughs> yeah, so one no matter point, how you look at and it, the, it one point, and the gap between you guys is fucking massive. It's massive. Yeah, yeah one point differential. <laughs> and I love that. Since, shout out to Sins, by the way, maintained the spreadsheet. Also, is retiring from spreadsheets. Uh, no. Highlighted Malala's name in red just to emphasize that he should not have this many points. He should be eliminated. <laughs> but uh, hey, that ends our fantasy drafts for set eight, which means Bryce and I both have a win and DQA has a win. We'll see who gets the last laugh at the end I of 8.5. I have 8. two 5. wins, man. Bryce There's has no one way. win on the record. I have two wins. Two in, wins. In Bryce's mind, he has two wins, which is, in Bryce's case, all that matters. <laughs> yes, agreed. I, agreed. <laughs> all right. 
And with that, that is the closing of our show. Our next episode that we're going to be airing, this is probably the saddest part of the show, is that we're actually off for like five weeks because the Mecha Cup is the next tournament for set 8.5. And we pretty much just power rank and do previews and review shows. The episode is going to air on April 20th, but that today is March 7th. So we got a long break. Maybe we'll do something in between. But, uh, you know, that's something to look forward to, Bryce, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. Great. Mecha Cup. Are you going to play? Uh, I'm not casting it, so yeah, maybe uh, yeah, look. Hell yeah! So but I can. I'm busy. I'm busy both weekends, but I'm I'm down for you to to win it all. Ah, uh, okay. And then, okay, and then, right, and then I can right. say it's because I wasn't in the field. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We can prep together and see uh, if we can collectively make it to a day three finally for the first time. I believe in us. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and get some final thoughts. Any last topics people want to discuss? We'll start off with boss skills. It's been a great episode. Uh. I think that's it for me. <laughs> All right. No, no final words. <laughs> no final no, words. No big gap between you and Malala. Nothing. Oh, I mean, we already knew that. It's like, it's something that doesn't need to be said. I true, agree. true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Ryan, Malala, t- hit me with any any last thoughts here. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, uh, to be honest, I'm just really glad that uh, I got invited to the show. I'm really happy that I was able to do it with Nico. So thank you guys for having us on. Uh, excited to uh, perform again in 8.5 and hopefully we uh, four out of four all make it to worlds love it hell yeah hell yeah all right bryce this is a super fun episode i really this one i also really enjoyed the one with clear invasion i think uh some of my favorite stuff that i do in tft is watch the up-and-coming players because i think there's a lot of people who are only interested in watching the like the people that are already known but i think some of the most interesting and best tft is being played by some of the up-and-comers you guys are certainly the hungriest you're working the hardest in a lot of cases so uh thanks for coming on i really appreciate you guys giving us the time and getting us getting a chance to get to know you guys a little bit better and looking forward to you continuing your journeys 100 thank you all right well for me uh that's pretty much it as well uh, bryce won't be casting set eight for the remainder as far as i know so whoever i end up casting with regionals Hope, uh, I hope you'll, you can try to live up to Bryce's reputation here, man. Because it's very it, easy. Just let Frodan carry you. And then <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow, what a what a different dynamic between Malala and Basel skills. We just kind of keep <laughs> pushing each other up, and these guys can't stop beating each other down. But before it's we, it's because we're old, Dan. We're too old. <laughs> That's right. We almost have no time left. Before we kind of kill each other with um, with kindness at this point, if you guys miss any part of the episode, you can always check out our stuff on YouTube and Spotify. And also, if you happen to be listening on Spotify, give us the stars. I just noticed that there's some viewers giving us five stars, which helps us get recommended to other people on the podcast. It goes a long way. Also, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash DTIYDK show. That's it from us, from Frodan, Bryce, Boss of Skills, Malaw. This has been DTIYDK episode number 20 with the Midset Review. We'll see you next time for more TFT action. Peace.